What's up, Industrial Marketer? From Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. I'm Brendan, and on today's show, let's talk about using your limited time effectively. And to do that, I'm bringing on Gorilla76's stellar project manager and my pal, Alex Monroe. Alex, what's happening, man? Brendan, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's so nice to be on this show. So nice to talk about project management. Hopefully, help some folks out. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So, just uh, Alex, can you hit us with a, just a very quick background on who on who you are, and then we'll uh, we'll hit the problem. Yeah, so I am a recovering former professional musician. Um, I I did that in Chicago for about ten years prior to becoming a project manager here in St. Louis with Grill Seventy Six, and um, I've you know. I'm sort of new to the game, been here doing this for about two years. Um, but prior to this, in my you know professional music life, loads of project management, grants management, trying to make things happen in music. So um, yeah, lots, hopefully lots of good insights to, to help, especially small teams that don't have a lot of resources, make things happen. So you're telling me you don't need to have a licensed project management certificate to do project management well? guess it depends on who you ask. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think you do a pretty good job here and you get us on the right track. So, so I want to talk to you. So yeah, you know, the big problem statement today is we have small marketing teams, right? Most, a lot of these manufacturing companies, especially in that mid-market range, you know, maybe one to two or three marketers. So that means very limited work hours to do marketing. And our time is always getting sucked away to do this thing or that thing. And it pulls us away from those really strategic things that we can do to actually hit our marketing and business goals. So I, I just want to throw that at you, Alex, and just kind of get your reaction to that and like, you know, your kind of overarching thesis on that. Yeah. So one of the biggest problems that I tend to see, especially with small teams uh, where people wearing a lot of different hats is that you get pulled in so many different directions. Right. And so one of the most difficult things to do is to like start on a project and finish that project the way you imagined it from the beginning. Right. Without it getting pulled in like seven different directions. Um, And some of the stuff I'm going to suggest may seem really formal, but you really don't have to take it as formal as it sounds. You know, you take take these ideas and manifest them in whatever way really works for you. You can find templates and stuff about things I'm going to talk about online that can help guide you too. But the number one thing I'll talk about first is just have a project charter. Like when you have an idea, a thing you want to accomplish, get it down on paper in a way that is like very finite you can define when will I be done with this? You know, what are the actual requirements? Let's get everyone to agree about what they are before we start. So that when, you know, three months down the line, someone wants to add some things to it, you say like, we'd really like to focus on this because we really want to get this goal done. Um, Let's put that off to the side or let's start something else and talk about that, but let's not bring that into this conversation. Um, So again, collecting requirements, having a definition of done, putting that into a a project charter, which you can find templates for, uh, defining the goals clearly. And then the last thing I'll say is having what's called like a racy chart or doing communications management. Mm -hmm. Who needs to hear about this project and how often are you going to talk to them? Who define at the beginning, who's actually responsible for doing work? Who's accountable for that work getting done? So those could be two different people, right? It could be that, well, so-and-so is in charge of this project, but this other person, um, you know, Ray is going to be in charge of actually doing that task. And we're going to make a note of that here um, so that everyone's clear on that. 
And also who needs to be consulted or informed about decisions you're making. Yeah. So if you can define those things at the beginning. You're just setting yourself up for so much more success as you go down the line um, and keeping things from going off the rails at different points. Do you think that is something that you should be doing for every project? Like, let's say like we're going to do a blog post or maybe we want to start a webinar program. Do you, would you recommend like going to that level of detail for something like that? Or is this like, you know, big cramp, like website redesign? or you know, like implementing an ERP or something like that? Yeah, I think it just depends on what you're comfortable with and how quickly, you know, I think like at, if the first time you ever implement this is to write, write a blog post with the team, that's probably gonna seem like overkill, right? Yeah. But let's say you've put these things together before and you have templates already, like it might actually make sense and, and everyone can look at those templates really quickly and be like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do for this. Um, so like, we're good to go. Um, it makes it really easy once the infrastructure is there, right? Yeah. Beforehand, it's like, why do we have this project charter and like these different charts and everything? But by the time you're rolling with it, people love it because they don't have to like read through all this information. They're just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go here and find this. I'm going to go here and find that. I'm going to do my work. Yeah, Alex, I love that. And I think, you know, identifying like who is the person that's going to be actioning this and actually getting the work done, but then who's responsible you know, and even if you create a project charter for yourself as a marketer sitting there and, you know, let's say you work for the VP of sales and marketing, like to get that person signed off, like this is the project that I'm going to be working on. Uh, that's how you, you know, get buy-in on a team. And like, otherwise, if you don't ever get that sign off, like that person can never go to bat for you or like remember that you're doing this work. And it's really easy to start piling on. But you could say like, we prioritize this to do this now at this quarter. Like, I can't do this other stuff right now. Or am I like, or you can actually have that conversation about deprioritizing the charter and working on this other stuff, but it just gives you a, something to work off of, right? Exactly. It gives you that ammunition you need to, to sort of traverse some really delicate conversations. Like, you know, you collect all these requirements in the beginning. And that part is so important because, you know, we want to build an app or we want to build this web page and it needs to have these things. And we all agree it needs to have these things. Then two months later, somebody comes in and say, oh, we really love it to have that thing. Then we can have a conversation. Is that thing really so important that we shouldn't do these things first mm -hmm. and then go add that thing later? You know, like you can have this conversation, but we all agreed on this at the beginning and it can put things in perspective, especially for someone in a position of power. Like, okay, I see what they're doing. Yeah. I see where this fits in the priority. Let's, let's wait and add it later. Or just to say like, no, I think we really need to change this. Like it, at least prompts the conversation in a way that just isn't like, well, I'm in charge, so do whatever I say, right? Yeah. It gives you a little bit of a way to say, yeah, let's take a step back for just a second. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like, okay, so that seems like a really great way to attack a problem or a project that is kind of like, you know, freestanding, like we get this done, the project's done. But a lot of stuff that we do in marketing is continual, right? Like, so we're talking about, we are going to do a continual webinar series, or we are going to do a podcast or content creation or running a demand generation ad program. What do you think about like, how do you plan out a project of that type? Yeah. So that, um, for, first of all, like some project management definitions, you know, anything that doesn't have a defined beginning and end is technically not a project. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but what I would say is like, let's take that with a grain of salt running like paid social campaigns what it really is, is a series of projects. Right. Um, and so there are ways that you're going to break that work down into different phases, different, um, you know, lengths of time where there's a natural cadence of things that happen. So it's all about identifying what that cadence is. Maybe, you know, you have to, first you have an idea, so you need to do some planning for that, for this 
part of the campaign or this material you're going to launch. You actually need to do the work, maybe writing some content or creating or making the creative. Um, and at some point, you're going to analyze how that worked. Uh, and then you're going to go back and reiterate, right? So finding where that boundary is and then seeing how you can duplicate it and think about those like, well, how do we define the end of one of these phases? Then we either move on to the next or perhaps they overlap, but just figuring out what that structure is from the beginning. Yeah. Everybody into a nice groove. Yeah. I think that was one thing I struggled with when I was in-house was I wanted to do all these things, but I would like, I had a couple of product uh, marketers that I worked with, but I was like, you know, the demand gen marketer and you know, it's like, I want to do all these things, but I never like processized any of this or like thought about it in this way. And so I was like really like jumpy and everything would be in spurts and be like, Oh, I want to do a podcast. So let's, we just plan on this one podcast, but you know, to have a good program, like you need to have something that's cyclical and like, I need a podcast to come out like this podcast that comes out every week. I have a process on how I do this podcast now, but I didn't do that when I was in house. And so I'd be like, I'm going to do it now. Like, Oh crap. I haven't done that in a while. So you go, I should go back and like, it'd be eight weeks and then it'd be four weeks and it'd be like two months. Uh, and so like, you just be jumping back and forth on timelines and never, nothing would ever be set. So like, yeah, I think Alex, you're right. Like figuring out like, what is my time frame here to, and we're, kind of working on this in gorilla right now like how do we do this the best way right like so exactly. you know we do a create a create our content brief and then we are yeah how long does it take you to create that piece of content and then you know how long does it take you to create the ads that go off of that content so you can do the distribution and like really figuring that out and that just helps you plan out your work capacity too right i think that's one thing we always struggle with is like how long does it actually take me to do any of this um like i, I going into a review with your boss be like i don't know how long any of this stuff takes me so i i guess i'll just say yes to everything that makes it really difficult. And then you feel like you're spinning plates and drinking from a fire hose all the time. Um, but if you actually know how long your work takes, you can actually have good conversations with your supervisor to lay out what a strategy could look like and then bring in, you know, what like talent you need to help you execute the stuff, whether it be a new hire or an agency, or you cut things out uh, until it aligns with what your work capacity really is. Yeah, exactly. And, and touching on work capacity there, like a, such a key part of, good project management is being able to estimate uh, estimate both time spent on the work and the duration of time it takes for the work to be complete. So talking about those two different things, we're talking about like how many hours does said task take you to do? And then over how many days mm -hmm. you usually spread that. So you might need, you know, it might only take you like five hours of writing time or six hours of writing time to put together a really good, great article but maybe there's like a lot of time in there that you're not actually writing the article. So like, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it'd be a lot of pressure to say like, well, you only have these five hours yeah. to write the article. That's like a lot of pressure. Usually it's more like, okay, well you can write it over a week or two weeks, but it's going to take you about five hours of your time and you're going to be doing other things in between. So yeah, thinking I think to that point, like we just said, like you have to plan for that, that downtime too, right? Because you write the piece, but you're probably just not going to publish it, right? You're going to send it to your supervisor or to the subject matter expert to get a final review on it right before you go to hit publish. And so you need to account for that time in that timeline that it takes to actually complete that, right? So it might only take you five hours, but how much time does it take for your supervisor to review or for the subject matter expert to review? Or how long does it take you to get a, a good image to go along with that piece of content or, you know, that kind of, or how long does it take you to publish it, right? Like, are you counting for all of that time inside of that project? Exactly. So the, the really like sort of tedious way of you know, the, pro the process of making a process is <laughs> that you you sort of do an you do a task inventory. And so you think about like, what's everything that has to happen for this to become published? Don't even worry about putting it in the right order yet. Just write all those steps down so you don't lose any of them. Uh, if you think of new ones, add them in as you go. 
and then you can order them. Then you can do this estimation thing. And I wanted to talk about a quick technique for estimating because a lot of times people have trouble with this because they're like, I just don't really know, right? Um, and maybe you're asking somebody else what they think or you're asking yourself. The thing I suggest to do is imagine you're going to do it 10 times. So you're going to do a math equation here and say, okay, well, how long would it take in the best case scenario? So maybe it's like, if I was really on a roll and writing three hours, okay. And then how, what's the, what's more of an average? Okay. Maybe we'll say five hours. What's like the worst case, 10 hours. Okay. So how many times out of 10 do you think you would hit the best case? Maybe two. Okay. So we're going to have two threes right? Maybe like seven fives mm-hmm. and one ten. Okay. And then you average those numbers out. It's going to spit out a time. Use that time to estimate. That's like a really quick and dirty way. Whenever you're just not sure is just to get someone to say, what's the worst case, what's the me- medium case and what's the, the best case scenario yeah. and do that equation. Um, And then account for slack time. Like you're saying too, like just because it takes the number of hours to do it doesn't mean those are things are going to happen in exact sequential order from the beginning to end. There's going to be dead half days in there where someone just doesn't check their email account for some slack time when you're coming up with that total duration. Right. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to touch on, because I forgot before when, when you're thinking about like trying to put a project together and making sure you get from beginning to end and avoid those sort of uh, diversions is to, Think about what is the critical path. This is another like key project management term. What is the critical path of this project? I mean, like for the minimum viable product or for the thing to actually happen, what are the elements or what are the, the tasks in here that have to happen? Like they 100% have to happen. Otherwise they, we won't end up with an end product and identify those. And whenever you're going to have to do a lot of negotiating with all of the other tasks and all the other parts of it, because things are going to change during a project. They always do. But if you can protect that critical path, you're going to be much more likely to getting an outcome. Even if it's a little bit different of an outcome than you anticipated at the beginning, you are going to get there if you protect those tasks that have to get done. I love that. One other thing with projects that I've noticed since being in the professional workforce is I have almost never done a project by myself. It always requires some inputs uh, from other people for it to be successful. So how do you recommend, you know, that projects, you know, whether it be like that continual one that we're talking about or, you know, a one-off project, what is the best way to get that thing started? And then how do you, what, what are the best ways to communicate in like the, you know, the duration or the time between communications within a project? Is there any best practices there? Yeah. I mean, besides that, like racy chart, we already talked about and helping people understand their roles. It's just like the more pre-thought you've done into putting together a project charter and into, into getting everything together, that first kickoff is going to seem like so much more energizing to all the people on your team, right? If you, they see the vision, that's, that's the biggest thing. If you can get people to see your vision, see what the end product is going to be, they're going to be energized to work on it. And then the next thing is just like having them know what to expect. So the, again, the communications management element of like, how often am I going to communicate on this project? And then actually sticking to it. That's like the hard part a lot of times. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to do a status update every week and it's going to include these elements because that's what my team needs to keep going. Um, And then making sure you actually do that every time because the easiest thing is like, you don't get a status update for a couple of weeks. It just slips off of everyone's, it slips off everyone's back burner, right? Because they they don't perceive that you think it's as important because they're not getting that constant communication. So that's like one of the things I would say is most important. It's just be predictable and be reliable with that communication. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. There's a lot of, you know, tools out there uh, for us to use when for project management, for task management, what have you found? Like, I guess maybe we could look at it. Like what is the creme de la creme that you've seen out there? Like if you got the money, this is the one to get. And then what is the more realistic option for a small marketing team? Man, there's like a million ways we could go with this question. Um, but by the big takeaway, I would say is just don't worry about all the bells and whistles, especially if you're in the position of managing like a handful of people or trying to get projects done on a small team. Most software solutions that have free versions are going to work for you. Mm. Um, it's not like a lot of the things that are more expensive and they pitch all these options, They those things need to be managed. And a lot of companies that use them have somebody whose job it is just to manage the management software. Yeah. Just like, so think about that level of bureaucracy sort of in the situation and just keep it simple. Um, you can get great free versions of apps like ClickUp, um, Asana, yep. Trello. These are ones that we're talking about. They all kind of function in different ways, which I can talk about too. Um, so depending on what you're trying to manage, like if you if you have a, a project that is very much a waterfall project, meaning that it's, it takes one step, goes on to the next step, goes on to the next step, and then we finish it. Um, that uh, I think Asana is a great tool, a great free tool to use for that. It's really kind of built for that kind of um, uh, beginning to end sort of work. If you're doing things that are constantly rolling, they're very iterative. Like if you want to just get something to manage your, your paid social campaigns, you might look into something like Trello or ClickUp, um, which have some capabilities of using a thing called like a Kanban board, which is a, a easier way of managing things that are constantly ongoing because there's just a board that has like things that to do and things that are being worked on and things that are finished. And you're constantly just kind of moving things around and the next thing comes onto the to-do slot. And it's just sort of like a, a taking a picture, a snapshot in time of what's going on. And things are always moving off one side and coming in on the other side constantly. So um, I, I used Trello when I was in house. I used a, I think I use a free version. Um, but I like that Kanban method for a lot of the stuff I was doing uh, with my marketing projects. And the nice thing with Trello too, even with the free version is you can tag people in it, right? So that they know like this thing's up next for you. Um, but it was just like a good way for me to visualize where my things were at, you know, in space and time. Exactly. I use Trello for my home, my home projects. Oh yeah. There's right. new ones coming on and I don't want to just kind of keep track of where we're at with all these different things. Um, and I'm able to share that with my wife. So she also knows, um, yeah. you know, I'm really busy. We have a kid. We don't always have time to sit down and talk about it. So she can actually just open that up in, in her app and see like, oh, he bought the the uh, Wi-Fi light bulbs for the living room. Cool. Like, you know, <laughs> you can always kind of see where we're at and not duplicating work and so forth. Um, other, you know, other softwares like, um, you know, Jira is a really popular one. If you're talking about Jira, you're probably, um, you're probably not worried about your project yeah. software. That's like really high level kind of stuff. Um, but the, the biggest thing is just, just pick one and and go with it don't don't worry so much about picking the right one if you're a small team yeah cool yeah i think just find the one that works best for you and the, and the team and and make it work i mean even like a spreadsheet like a, a google sheet or something that's shared like you can make those things like something like that work too exactly yeah you don't need to pay money for it um unless you're working at more of like a enterprise level i would say yeah yeah like we're not like we're not talking about a project like you know, a construction company's project where there's a lot, like a lot of things tied to that, you know, with money and stuff. Like we're talking about like, you know, running paid social campaigns. Like we don't have to go crazy here. Like we have to just make it lean and make it work for us. Right. 
Exactly. You don't want to spend a lot of time yeah. managing your project. You want to spend time working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. So you've been with Gorilla for a handful of years now. What are some of the main lessons learned that you've picked up since you've been and been doing this since you left music? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the big lessons I've learned is that like, it's never, it's never the same every time. Like mm -hmm. things are constantly changing and you will never get to a place where you're like, you know what, this machine's just humming along and I'm just sitting here back here with my feet up. Like I kind of always had that in my head in the early years of like, if we could just get to this place where we're just hum, you know, we're just humming along, this will all seem so easy. Of course, there are always ways to make things better, but the second you've sort of made those improvements, there's always other things changing. And it's kind of this, always this sort of molding and shaping that you're doing um, as time goes on. Uh, one good way to deal with that, I think, is uh, just thinking about 80-20 principles. So like what 20% what, what of your work accounts for like 80% of the total yeah. output. And I, I kind of apply this also to like, let's make sure we notate like about this process that we're doing. What's the 20% of it that is like pretty much always going to be true. It's like the core foundation of it. And that accounts for like 80% of the work and like, let the, let the teams figure out the other 20%. Like we don't have to write down every detail because guess what? The next time you do it, it's going to be slightly different and someone's going to want to change that. So just back, try to back off from defining everything so clearly and, and give uh, teams a little bit more freedom or give, if you're working in a small group, give each person sort of the freedom to do it. Just make sure they have the guardrails, the things that like will make it uh, not happen. Like maybe make sure that's that's uh, very clearly indicated. Yeah. Uh, cool. The, you know, the one thing that always happens in marketing and especially it feels like in manufacturing marketing, we get the thing thrown at us. Like, Let's do this. You know, a big unexpected change happens. Drop everything. How do you how do you attack that, Alex? Like, how do you how do you make that work and not drop all your other plates? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, depending on how big the thing is, that can be really really hard to do. Yeah. Um, again, kind of calling back to that eighty twenty thing. It's like, what can I let go of? Like, what's the twenty percent I need to one hundred percent make sure I need to do? And what can kind of go on the back burner and and then just creating dedicated space for that new thing. Um, so one good example in our agency, we're getting ready to sort of relaunch our our work management system, our click, we use ClickUp. And you know, there's it's such a mammoth project for me. Like I'm the pretty much the only person that's going to be implementing it, even though I have a team of people helping me to make decisions and so forth, that like I have to just block off yeah. hours um each day really that i'm saying you have to do nothing but this because there's always going to be a bunch of other little fires but if you don't chip away at this one piece at a time uh it's not going to happen and so that's a pretty basic thing right but actually getting it in your calendar and then getting again back to the communication getting other people on your team to buy into that to say like okay i understand you're doing this huge thing and so from 9 to 11 on monday wednesday and friday like we won't bother you. We know, you know, unless it's a critical emergency, you're, you know, you get to go into your, your deep workspace and just handle that. Yeah. The thing that I think about here too is minimally viable products are okay for the majority of the things that you're going to work on. Right. Nobody's going to die. Right. <laughs> We're not like the chance of you losing millions of dollars is extremely, extremely low. <laughs> like, yeah. like the big bad consequences really aren't there for us in marketing. So 
get the thing done to the level it needs to so that it is done, like what you agreed it was going to be. And then don't worry about it. Like you can spend time late. Like you could take another project to polish something if it needs to be polished. But an MVP for the most part is all that you need, right? And so just work to get the, get the project to that level and then be done with it. And then let it be out there and then make changes to it later if it needs to get changed. Yeah, definitely the most intense work you ever do is getting to that first iteration of something. Um, and from there, the work kind of, it, the work reveals itself to you in a very easy way. Like, so if you try to make this perfect, um, this perfect sort of campaign creative thing, or you, you, you think like, oh, I have to get all the insights I possibly can I have to do all this research so I can launch and get the results in the first campaign. Like that's, that's so much pressure, number one. And you're almost definitely going to keep either keep pushing back that launch date, or you're going to just not feel good about what you had in the end, instead of thinking like, we just need to get this out. Because as soon as we do, we're going to start getting the feedback that tells us exactly what to do next. Right. And um, I think this is how a lot of, you know, people that do software development, they work this way, because they understand that, like, they have a lot of assumptions about what people want, what people need, how they're going to use the product. And the quicker they can just get it into people's hands to use it, the more they will learn and they'll make it better. Yeah. I really have a lot of empathy for like video game designers because yeah. I, it's so much pressure to create this whole game yeah. or something and then release it and then realize that, oh my gosh, like everyone's playing it now and they're kind of doing it in this way we didn't intend or Man, could you imagine video game design and development in the 90s when you didn't have the internet to <laughs> it and make it better yeah, like, yeah. you're, making, you're making zelda and it's like <laughs> we got to get this right <laughs> yeah yeah in a way it was better because you just were more forgiving i think we live in a world now where it's like everything needs to be perfect like and and if there is a problem, everyone's going to know about it instantly because yeah. the internet or you just have YouTube and people are going to, you know, people are streaming on Twitch and whatever. Like it's, it's really difficult. And um, I have a lot of sympathy. I'm glad that marketing isn't really like that. Although I'm sure you do get pressure, you know, from clients, you launch a campaign first month, maybe we don't have that much for a couple months, even like not that much results uh, coming back. And um, it takes a lot of uh, communicating and understanding the process. For that to to go down but but ultimately yeah you just you learn as you go and if you try to learn everything beforehand you've probably just made a lot of incorrect assumptions yeah, totally well alex i think uh i think that was a good place for us to maybe wrap up here so do you have any any parting words for the industrial marketers out there on how to just get started with project management and and get their time set like what is that first step i would say the first step is to just this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but take like, take a concrete step. So any of these things we've talked about today, just do one of them. Maybe the next time you're going to do a project, you say, Hey guys, like I put together this little chart just so we all know who's responsible for what. And it's that racy chart. Don't try to bring all of this in at once because your team will be like, what's gotten into someone. Get a rate on your project management. Exactly. You know, or even just if you're starting with a conversation like, hey, we're into this project. And I was just thinking like we've done a lot of projects recently where we've kind of gone off track. So what I really want to do is get this all to to collect all the requirements we need for this one. And let's all agree on them. And let's decide that we're going to launch this minimum viable project product with these items. Pick one. Right. And then the next time you do it, you can 
add another one. You can add another one. And before you know it, like your team is going to be loving the fact that it's all so organized um, without them having to do my, or having that uncertainty every day about what am I supposed to be doing with this person? What am I accountable for? I'm not sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, Alex, I appreciate you so much and I'm glad you're able to join me today. Um, we might have to get you on industrial marketing live here in the future. Maybe sometime this summer, we'll get, get some time with you. And speaking of industrial marketing live, I know a lot of you marketers out there have heard me say this, but join us, come and listen and be a part of the community first and third Thursdays of the month, 10 a.m. Uh, we talk about all sorts of topics. Uh, we have some really great ones coming up here uh, the rest of this quarter. Uh, so yeah, please join us. So, register at industrialmarketinglive.com. Uh, hang out with me, Peyton, and the rest of the Gorilla76 team and just make yourself better. Uh, you know, I know it's it's lonely out there. You know, industrial marketers, you're out there by yourselves. Uh, you know, you're surrounded by manufacturing and process engineers and and accountants, come hang out with some marketers. Uh, you know, it's a refuge for you. So come hang out and uh, have a good time. So Alex, again, thank you for joining us. This was a great conversation. Uh, yeah. Thank you, thank Brandon. You. Yeah, man, we'll just close it out here. So, all right, everyone, catch you later. <laughs>